0: Welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you for being here. Before we listen to my next guest, I want to ask that if you like the podcast, please subscribe to the channel and leave a positive review so we can grow this channel. I've been working really hard for you guys to grow by putting systems in place that bring on guests who are very valuable to you. And I'm just going to be honest, it hasn't been an easy ride. So I would certainly appreciate your support. Also, let me know your thoughts by texting me at 714-294-0269. Again, 714 294 Last time, 714-294-0269 to ask about details and to receive future podcasts directly to your cell phone. Let's continue with the podcast. Hey, Paul, how's it going?
1: Nice to meet you, man. Uh, I, I really appreciate your grace on, on the delay. I, <laughs> things happen and I, it always happens right at the right time and so I'm sorry about that.
0: No, it's all good. it's all good. no worries, no worries. i understand um and uh so I have you as dean on the, on the zoom uh but uh is that like yeah. an employee yeah that's that <laughs> happens a lot of people do that no. a lot of people do that
1: oh actually, it's my business partners. I the mine, but for some reason, I had some issues, so I was like I'll I just pretend to be someone else for the day
0: <laughs> Oh, that's that's uh, that's funny um okay, cool man well um i'm I'm kind of recording now. we can just start right now and uh if yeah, you want, or we can start the recording over. It's up to you. And you know, I like to be authentic. So oh. um.
1: Yeah, just keep just keep it running, man. Less awesome. editing. Uh, the more we yeah, you know, good. And like to say, just don't worry about being perfect. It'll never be perfect. Just ship it, dude. <laughs> absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Have you listened to my podcast yet?
1: Uh, I I have not, I, I didn't even, I met you when you connected with me on LinkedIn. And, and so I, awesome. I started researching a little bit more of what you do in the venture world. So, uh, kudos to what you're doing and yeah, looking forward to, to being a, a new subscriber, man.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate you. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for that. I appreciate it. Um, so want to, want to ask you, um, so you, uh, have, uh, you know, started many, uh, restaurant franchises or chains, correct? Correct. And, uh, so tell me a little bit about how you, you know, got into that, you know, industry and, you know, how you've reached the level. I know you have some great insights, I, you know, kind of read a little bit about, you did a little bit of research, you know, uh, virtual systems architects is something that you preach. Um, so I want you to tell me a little bit about how you started and then let's go from there.
1: It's always tough trying to interview uh, like multi serial entrepreneurs that uh, can't spill <laughs> because you, you don't even know what point of entry to start with. right? Yeah, seriously. Um, I'm
0: like, wow, you, you have so much, uh, you know, uh, you know, experience. So yeah, tell me.
1: Oh, well, I appreciate it. Well, thank you for this platform. And um, uh, hopefully, you know, this ends up being a podcast that adds a lot of value to the audience. But for myself, I, I've been in the restaurant business for 12 years. So over a decade. um, I was uh, making some really good money uh, being a mortgage um, loan officer during, you know, the the refi boom uh, around like the the mid-2000s. And, uh, you know, during that time, I just had this crazy itch. I, I was a big foodie and I would always eat at like food places. And I just had this itch where you know, I I want to start a restaurant. I have no experience. Uh, I have never cooked anything in my life. Uh, I I think it's a good idea. (laughs) Uh, And so um, I I just, uh, I just rounded up a couple friends that um, they didn't have experience either. They were just good friends that I trusted. And uh, one was a really good cook by, by just self learning. And um, are you familiar with this restaurant chain called the boiling crab?
0: Oh yeah, dude. That's like, that's like my favorite of all time. Are you kidding?
1: Oh, nice. Okay, well, we are not them, but uh, <laughs> at the time they were at, at the at the time they were the only game in town, and uh, each restaurant of theirs had like two three hour waits. And so, in my mind, I was just thinking, like, dude, like, there's more demand than supply. Uh, you know, even if I opened a, a subpar restaurant, like, uh, using that same inspir- inspired concept. I I'd be happy with the even just the the the, left, the, the leftovers, the the, the the customers who aren't willing to wait three hours for, for a table. And so uh that's when we just pulled our money. Uh we did a lot of research in, in our friend's kitchen and we uh came up with a recipe that we were really excited about and then we just launched Did
0: people and uh did people initially... the example
1: good. No, no, no. Good. Did people? What? Sorry. Did
0: people tell you initially, like when you started this restaurant idea, and you're in the mortgage space, and you know you're in finance? It's a little bit more. It seems less secure than than restaurant. Did anybody tell you like why are you getting into restaurants? Because I think that's what people would think initially.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, uh, at my age, uh, I was. Um I was a, you know, college kid and, you know, you think you're invincible Ah. and you're overly arrogant. And not only that, I I actually uh, didn't, didn't tell a lot of people. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, there, there there's no naysay for any naysaying. So uh, that's like a huge advantage. And it is, it is, I, I, you know, you know, you always learn about like all the principles of business after the fact, like after you've learned it the hard way, but I look back and it's, you know just just like i uh, I'm inspired by the stories of like you know Airbnb and uh the guys who you know Airbnb and Uber like those guys had no experience, right They were just trying to fill the need, and for us uh we we didn't have any experience either. We just filled the need and and we realized later that you know because we weren't from that space, we didn't know that certain things shouldn't be done or couldn't be done, and so we just blew past any objections that are normally normally uh you know thrown at us you know what i mean so we just pretty much just blew past it we, we didn't we just launched
0: yeah because like at, at some point you know in every entrepreneurial's journey like if they have a big network a lot of people you know they're they're kind of they they have the, your best interest at, at heart but they're kind of naysayers and so the fact that you didn't have like any naysayers is like tremendously valuable you know
1: well, uh, it's it's a tough balance, right? Because uh, you know, as I get older, well, I, at the time I think I had like less to lose because it was just me, and I didn't have uh, people to to look after. But now, as I'm I'm married with kids and a dog and uh, a lot of stakeholders, that, investors that rely on me to to do the right thing, I I definitely have to get insights. So so it, it's it depends on what stage you're at and, and uh, what level of risk you, you can tolerate for your own DNA and your own stage in life. Right. So Dude, at the if, time I was okay to do that.
0: If you have a boiling crab style restaurant, I'm going there ASAP because
1: <laughs> I want to check it out
0: because uh, I love boiling crab. <laughs> like it's me and my wife's like favorite nice. restaurant. <laughs> so,
1: oh, um, I think it's incredible, man. No, they're, they're wonderful people. And we, we were, um, so we opened a restaurant called The Cajun Corner, and that was the second in the market. So, um, you know, you're in the venture world. You know that with venture capital, uh, when a space gets hot, like you kind of invest in, in any company you can in that space. Because in the beginning, the trajectory is always up, right? Um, and so we, we uh, yeah, we were able to grow with that trend, and uh, we did pretty well for three years. Unfortunately, um, we you know, fortunately for me, but unfortunately for you, uh, we got an offer to get bought out uh in three years. Uh and so wow. we sold it. So that that restaurant's no longer no longer under our ownership and no longer um under that name. They actually changed names and they, they converted into something else. But that was what jumped me jump started me to the restaurant business.
0: Okay. So okay, so you kind of you jumped into this you you know when you were younger. Uh-huh. You didn't know you had nothing to lose. You had no naysayers. Um you know so that's awesome. But l- looking back to you know what you went through what are some things that you can impart on like the audience here that can tell us like what would you have done differently what were there th- mistakes that you made that you could have you, you wish you would have not made and and how can you how can you help us here
1: oh my gosh uh so <laughs> it's funny you've, you, i've been asked that before and i'm always at a struggle because it's funny it's one of those things where um you know they always ask like what would you do differently the next time around and I, I my answer would be I actually wouldn't change anything at all I would oh, just nice. have faith and I would just I would just take action and just um recalibrate as you go because you know just like I said in the beginning and you and I both agree like you just got a ship the stars will never align and there's a couple them, there's a ton of mistakes I made one of them was we we actually opened uh at a time where um do you remember a time when boiling crab actually closed for two months out of the year, like mm. very early on? Mm. I uh, but I, I never understood. I under, I never understood why I just like, Oh, they're probably just taking a two month vacation or something. <laughs> All that. W- w- when I opened like maybe one month before I was about to open, I, I called my crawfish supplier and I said, Hey, I'm ready to get my first batch of crawfish to start shipping. And they said, uh, there's no crawfish right now because there's no season. Uh, It's not in season. And Mm. that was the first time I ever realized like crawfish actually had a life cycle season. Like they're actually out of commission for three months. Wow. And I didn't even know that. (laughs) And so I was like, I felt so stupid because that's like business one-on-one. Like you need to do your research and make sure that there's, there's a season, but we, we, uh, we were bleeding money. We, uh, we just had to launch and we, we uh, just decided to just open up and just serve like shrimp and other Items and just at least uh, make some money back, and that actually worked out beautifully in our favor because um, during that two-month period, everybody was craving crawfish, but they didn't have any um, options, and so they actually just every, not just the leftovers and the people waiting in line for two, three hours at Boiling Crab, but everyone, all Boiling Crab's customers, came to our store, so we actually captured everyone during that time. Wow! And we didn't even have the main. We didn't even have the main event to serve. So uh, that's one lesson where like uh, if I had, if I had done research, I would have never opened and I would have never opened at that time, you know? And so uh, like ignorance is kind of like in our favor, I guess.
0: Um, (laughs) That's the way I work actually. So, Uh, (laughs)
1: Well, you know, I I think most people think that, most people think that their decisions are permanent, right? But it's most of the time it's easily correctable or there's always some kind of blessing in disguise. And so, yeah, I, I mean, as far as wisdom, I just say uh, just just know that most of your decisions are recoverable and uh, you can bounce back and recalibrate. And uh, that's, that's probably my biggest piece of advice. That's
0: super yeah. positive. That's super positive. So it's not devastating. You can pick yourself up. And I think like you're right, like, you know, when you pick yourself up and you keep doing that over and over, that's really success long term, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. 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 Even if you're taking, like, if, even if you're zigzagging, right, you're zigzagging in the right direction.
0: Absolutely. Um, cool. So dude, this is awesome. I'm going to come to your restaurant. Okay. You're in Orange County, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, my restaurants now are the, mainly the halal guys. Are you familiar with them? Oh, yeah. dude.
0: I love halal guys. Okay. Yeah, so so, so, go.
1: so actually, uh-huh. no, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I, I think there's just bad reception. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to go to, more a better reception place, but go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I like the halal guys. They did a really great job at marketing uh, and spreading the word. Uh, so you, you're an investor in halal guys.
1: Uh, actually, I'm an investor and, and an operator. Um, so I, I guess just to build a bridge to them, I you know after I I got bought out, I've been fascinated with the franchise industry because uh, like two years into the running my own restaurant, I got a lot of in- inquiries for franchising because everybody wanted to jump on this bandwagon. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool compliment, but I, I had no idea how it's franchised. And so I did a lot of research and yeah, I finally started doing research. <laughs> and then I, I found a company uh, based out in BC with an office in Newport Beach called uh, France Smart. And I learned that they were the biggest franchise like incubator company. They, they've incubated brands like Five Guys Burgers when they only had five stores and wow. like now they have like 2,000 stores and they've also grown a couple of the brands that got acquired. And, and so I met with them. I showed them my concept. I, you know, I got, I got uh, rejected because uh, there's a couple things in my concept that wasn't like franchisable or duplicatable. But mm-hmm. during that time um, I was just so fascinated and I asked, Hey, like, are, are you guys hiring at all? Like, I'd love to learn this business. And they just said, yeah, it just so happens we're expanding. And, and they offered me a position to, to manage their um, emerging concepts division. So I was their director of development for the next 10 years, uh, where I pretty much got to learn how five guys did it. Uh, I learned how to grow companies that eventually got acquired or went public. Uh, and so my world was just franchising restaurants uh, for, for 10 years. So uh, that's pretty much how it all happened. And that's what led me to, to the halal guys
0: got it um, and and so did you so so you invested as a franchise owner or a franchisee right
1: yeah yeah so the halal guys in new york yeah. city you know that was the time where the owners were starting to retire and they wanted to transfer their business to their kids and of course their kids are young and they're all about like growth and world domination and so they 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 were seeking um they were seeking companies that can help them grow and so we actually made our pitch and we spent about 2 years with them trying to get them to understand and appreciate the franchising process and you know they spent 25 years building up this company and they didn't Mm -hmm. want to lose control or lose quality and so we we just wanted to make sure they felt comfortable with the idea of franchising and letting go of uh, their systems and delegating it to like franchise owners around the world that could uh, help them grow yeah so yeah they they hired us to do that and um, I spent about two years helping them with that and then during that time, I I was looking around the marketplace, same thing with the boiling crab, where I'm like, wow, there's just not a lot of supply. I mean, everybody's done burgers and pizza and coffee and every, the usual suspects, but nobody's done anything like from a market leadership standpoint, uh, in Middle Eastern Mediterranean food.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: I, I, I double dip. I, uh, <laughs> I just, I said, I asked him if I asked him if I could build a team and raise a fund to, uh, build stores and, uh, they let me. And, uh, five wow. years later here, I, uh, so, my team so, and I, we have, uh, 11 stores.
0: Nice. Nice. So let me clarify. So, yeah. you know, so yeah. people, some people have watched the movie founder. Have you watched that movie? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so were you, um, uh, the guy, he, he, I, you were the guy that came in that was like, Hey, I know you guys have a established business, but let me help you franchise this. You're the same guy yeah, and founder, yeah, but you didn't do the shady depo- stuff, by the way. <laughs> Cause he no, was shady. No, no,
1: uh, oh, it was always, it's never that clean, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so yeah, but, so that, uh, but yeah, that's,
1: that's pretty much what we did.
0: Yeah. So you were like, Hey, we're, I'm going to help you sell these franchises. Do you feel like any, any company can franchise like any, any type of industry, any type of company can franchise, or do you think it's just limited to a certain amount of industries?
1: Um, that's a really good question. And I actually struggle with that, like a case by case basis. Like I, uh, it depends on whether the ownership has the right leadership right um or they're willing to hire the right leadership that is focused on growth and then and not having that mom-and-pop mindset mm-hmm. um a, a couple other factors include whether these folks are like super systematized like they they actually have systems in place where it can be duplicatable it can be like replicatable with or without the owners um and also if it's like part of a long-term trend where um you know uh, you know, In-N-Out Burger, McDonald's, you know, Burger King, those guys are icons where they've lasted for 40, 50, 60 years and beyond. Right. But that's not normal. Those are anomalies. And so, I mean, are they part of a trend where um, they can at least have a lifespan of at least 10 years where investors can win and partners can win and consumers are still uh, craving that kind of food for, for a long time. Um, you know, I guess to answer your question, it's kind of part art, part art, part science, and it's really case by case. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know if that's a good enough answer for you, but I, I just have to look at each brand case by case.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So like, for, for example, um, like d- d- boiling crab isn't a franchise, right? Do you think they should franchise?
1: Oh, they are. They are.
0: Oh, they are a franchise.
1: Yeah, they actually just recently sold a deal to the Middle East. Uh, they I think they're doing like 10 stores out there. Um and they've also franchised uh, in other parts of the country as well. And they don't wow. make it a big they don't make it a big uh, uh announcement, but yeah, they they do they do these uh quiet deals, but they they've been able to to grow quite a bit too.
0: Okay. So so what insight do you think you can provide regarding um, you know, growing a franchise space? Like what what are What are things that have really, uh, you know, helped you become successful? And you talk, you talk about virtual systems architects. So can you flesh that out a little bit and and tell me like what, 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 what's entailed in that?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, That's a two part question. I'll I'll answer the first one. Um, As far as success in franchising, um, success in franchising requires a, a different type of mindset that, most people don't realize there's like a sub, so everybody thinks there's like entrepreneurs are just one type of category of business owners, um, but there are subsets. Uh, on, the best kind of entrepreneurs that make really good franchisees are folks who are a hybrid where they, they, they want to they chart a path of their own, but they also still want to follow a bunch of set systems and they want to be compliant as well. Mm, yeah. So some of my best franchisees they don't even come from the food business. They actually come from like corporate executive settings because they're used to having support. They're used to having infrastructure in place and they just operate off of the infrastructure. You know, some, some entrepreneurs are like celebrity, celebrity chefs, for example, where they're just creative all the time and they need to be creative and they don't want to have any boundaries to to stop them from doing whatever they want to do. And that's, that's fine and dandy too, but that's not scalable. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, you just need a, a type of mentality where you're willing to, you want to invest in your own business, but you you, you do want to follow a system. You want to be part of a community. Um, and so that that's the biggest part of success. Um, second off is, you know, you want to be super passionate about what you're doing. It's like raising a kid. So raising a kid is like, yeah. you know, a kid won't always be on your bright side, but you still love them and you still need to push through. There's uh, more dark days than good days when it comes to growing a business, especially when it's super competitive and things happen all the time. So you need to have love. You need to have passion. Um, I I recently uh, learned that the word passion means not something you actually love and you're only happy about, but something you're willing to, to suffer for, like suffer mm-hmm. for, like, and so so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that definition. It it's not the flowery social media uh, <laughs> uh, view yeah. of
0: do what of, you of love. <laughs> like,
1: like yeah. yeah, that doesn't help too much, right? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so if you want to suffer for something, then then that's true passion. So anyway, um, there's a lot of other things too, but I say those are probably the two most important things.
0: How okay? So uh, I'm kind of curious. So you 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 approach these halal halal guys, and then. You need to sell these franchises. So, what 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 were you doing to sell these franchises? Because you like, I'm sure there's like a, a franchise fee, and then you know, you're, you're, there's a percentage that is being shared as well. But like, how are you getting your yeah. first franchise owner to buy the franchise?
1: Yeah, um, I think I'm pretty lucky um, that like, I since I've been in the business for ten years, I I, I grew a pretty good network of you know, well capitalized. Uh, investment groups or investors that are looking for business opportunities and so and you know, once you're once you're known as the franchise guy, like everybody's always like, Oh, can I invest in something? or they're always asking franchise info. So I, I was really blessed because like once they became a franchise, I was able to just reach out to my entire network and say, Hey, like the law guys is franchising and I'm really bullish on this because here here's why, why, why and then let me know if you're interested and Pretty much that's what happened. And, and also another thing that was a blessing too is that Halal Guys, as you know, even before they franchised, they were a pretty big deal. Um, they were the most Yelp brand uh, in New York City and that's really hard to say. Uh, and so they already had like their own cult following of people that are just waiting for like 20 years, 25 years to franchise. So, so the moment they became live, like we, we, we actually had we actually had to shut down our franchising inquiry system for a bit to, to, to catch up. Not a common, not a common occurrence. Cause not, not all brands that start off get that kind of like sensational fanfare, but we got really, we got really lucky with the Halal guys. I'll admit that.
0: Yeah, definitely. But I,
1: it's, I, I, but yeah. I, we, yeah, during the, the year though, we did, we did help them with like um, assessing franchise fees and royalties and structuring deals and like what kind, what who are the best franchisees to look for? uh so that we can pick and choose the best groups that can help us grow not just trying to collect franchise fees sure. um and all that stuff but yeah but, so, but yeah
0: so let's think in terms of okay so i have a business now it's a, a successful business is there a level of success that a business owner should reach before they decide to franchise like what are your thoughts on that
1: uh good question um i've i work with brands that uh like they only have one store or four stores um You know, as far as level of success, um, as you know, you being in the venture world, like most of these companies, um, even if they're not making money right now, like if you have the vision and you can see them doing well in 10 years and a lot of times it's just they don't have the management or they don't have the connections that you do or they don't have some kind of strategic advantage that, you know, can be an easy fix. Uh, then, then, then that's where you kind of take a bet on them. For example, Halal Guys, like they didn't even have a store yet; they were only food carts in New York City. But we knew that the trend was there. We knew that we had the capabilities to grow them. We had the network to grow them. We know food distribution. We know real estate, uh, and so we just felt like we could we could complement them. Whereas they just were focused on doing an incredible product. So as far as level of success, um again, case by case, case, by case. Uh, but a lot of it has to do with just the mindset. Like, are you, are you ready to grow? Do you know that you're no longer in the business of running restaurants? You're actually now managing a, a, a community of business owners with lots of money and probably, probably some big egos? <laughs> uh, are you comfortable with travel and being able to manage from afar? Um, the whole business DNA changes when you become a franchise. So, a lot of times I spend time with these wanna be franchisors and just make sure that I, I try to talk them out of it and yeah. they seem to yeah. still stick around and and they have their mind right then then yeah let's let's give it a go so so
0: so talk me out of it right now, so let's say I want a franchise um I want you <laughs> to pick my my business apart if you if you want um so we we own sure. a, we own a media company we're doing a venture conference in july um and uh-huh. uh you know. You know we're doing pretty pretty decently in revenue um, and one want to expand and, and uh, scale um, you know we've had people uh, interested in our business but uh, you know we have some great systems in place we're probably 60% uh, I would say 60% in regarding systems we probably need another 40% you okay. know uh, with regards to systems, um, but so talk me out of franchising. I want to franchise my business, uh, and I want, um, you know, I want to sell my franchise. Let's say for fifty thousand dollars as a as a franchise fee, and then I want to take ten percent of the revenues that are brought in. Um, and it would probably require an investment of about for the franchisee, uh, probably around one hundred, hundred to one hundred fifty thousand altogether for throughout the year. And, uh, so, okay. so talk me out of this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so first off is the business model, like viable, right? So are you planning on selling like different markets in the country or around the world or, or, or like everybody gets like to, to have a state or a County or, or uh, how do you want to divide territories?
0: Yeah. So it's interesting cause we have, we're doing, um, we're, we're doing these events. I, I feel like events close at the highest rate. Um, especially for our, sure. our service and then, you know, branding also, um, but we want to do events yeah, all across the country eventually, you know, I think that's, that would be ideal. If we could do those um, all across the country, and Got it. we have a great model, I think we have a viable model regarding you know building a ton of credibility at events, building uh, building the brand, building uh, more you know equity in the brand, and then you know for over a three day period, warming people up to potentially purchase our, our products and packages. Now the the event conference itself, they, you know the conference itself, we're putting together awesome conferences, uh, but the it costs fourteen ninety five to be at the conference. Uh, just as an attendee, um, uh-huh. people can make money. People can make money. The franchisees could make money just on event ticket sales to the conference. Um, and then okay. on top of that, we're selling media packages. So it could be uh, potentially a seven-figure opportunity. It's just putting it together.
1: Got it. Got it. Um, and in your world, uh, what's your ultimate like goal? What would you love to have? Would you like to eventually go public get acquired uh would you like to um uh i guess what's your ultimate goal like let's say in five or ten years
0: i don't think we would want to go public um i don't think that's something that's in the in the cards at the moment um i don't think we want okay. to right now um but uh but our, our goal is to uh, you know grow uh, globally. We want to, we want to keep growing. We want to sell our franchises. We want to be in every state. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we want to have, you know, a bunch of franchises of franchisees that, that are, uh, that are, you know, helping build the brand and also helping support their lives.
1: Got it. Um, I mean, what, uh, what's the, what are you opposed to the idea of, uh, of like, let's say investors or strategic partners just coming up to you and say, Hey, I, I, I have a venue. I'd love to just give you the venue for free and like do a split with you, uh, uh, instead of buying a franchise. Uh, but you know, that venue is awesome. That market is awesome. You know, you probably build your brand up there. Would you be open to that?
0: Uh, is this a trick question? <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I, I just want to know. I just want to know your head dad. That's all.
0: Awesome. Um, would I be open to somebody giving me like free space and they would, that would be their way of investing in my company? Is that what you're yeah, asking? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: You mean are they, are they going to be asking for like a piece of my company or how is that going to work?
1: Um, like for example, like they would say, Hey, like I, I'd love to give you the venue space uh, because you know, I'd love to maximize my dead space. Like during part of the year. Um, are you open to like, I'll give you the space and I'd love to do like, maybe a profit split with you or getting a percentage of the sales or something yeah. of that nature. Yeah. I'd, or be, willing yeah, 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 I'd be willing got to it. do that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. I'd be willing to got it. Yeah.
1: And are, are you interested in learning, uh, are you interested in learning like every single market and how to do marketing in each market, or would you rather delegate that to owners who have the same interests as you and, and just want to grow their business and and that's how you get your name out there. Like, are you interested in having control or are you, are you okay having partners that, that pretty much is a, are a clone of you and in their, in their own local market?
0: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I'm okay giving up control. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, having more systems. That's it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and, and how old is your company right now?
0: Right now we're at five years old yeah
1: okay. Got it. Um, gosh well, <laughs> you're different because you're in the venture business, and you know what it takes to grow and scale uh, but I- i'd say I say um the beauty of for example, uh, Starbucks is they remained corporate owned uh, because they wanted to control the quality um, and they wanted to pretty much maintain control over everything. And right. they, they, again, I, I, I mentioned the idea of case by case because, um, you know, the, the moment Magic Johnson, for example, approached Howard Schultz and asked to, to buy a franchise, because Magic Johnson was a high profile person and because he believed what Starbucks believed, he also wanted to make Starbucks available to the lower income areas and give them a chance to experience affordable luxury is what they call it, they call a Starbucks cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he was well capitalized, um, he made the exception to franchise. Um, and, wow. uh, in, in the middle East, uh, there was a really big group called Alshaya. Uh, they own the, the best. They, I've done a lot of re- uh, consulting in the middle East as well. They, there's a group called Alshaya who pretty much owned all the best real estate in the middle East. They own the malls. They can put Starbucks in the corners of every mall, uh, in, in the middle East region, uh, he had a strategic advantage, and he was a case by case basis. And and Howard just said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'm willing to franchise. Otherwise, you could never franchise Starbucks. Hmm. Um, and so um, I'd I'd say for you, like I'd say grow. Um, do you know Do you know who Jason Freed is?
0: Sounds very familiar.
1: Um, he's the owner of Basecamp. Uh, oh yeah, signals. yeah. But anyway, definitely,
0: definitely, definitely hundred yeah. percent. Know him, yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. His strategy is to grow, grow in control, and not grow out of control, and stay as small as possible until you can't stay small anymore. I'd say keep growing your business and keep focusing on putting together the high-quality events that you do. And like success can't help but happen, and you'll start getting approached by um, like large groups who can not help you scale immediately. Like the the problem with franchising with when you're still young is that. You know, if these guys have a lot of money and they want to buy a franchise, like, like a lot of times you're gonna to need to train them, handhold them. It's gonna be a very big distraction, especially when you're still young at this age. Uh, yeah. That you, and you still have a lot more to to grow, uh, and you don't wanna like let go uh, when you still don't have all the complete systems or or, or vision in place. And so I, yeah, I'd actually just continue doing the awesome job you're doing and uh you know they'll come to you and okay you and sold me off of it and they you, can- <laughs> i'm no
0: longer sold on franchising <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. no no it's 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 truly case by case right like i i don't know it, it's it's like when you're focusing on the right thing like the byproducts are natural right the money is natural byproduct of adding tremendous value So I, I'd say, I'd say just do your own thing the best way you know how. And, and those opportunities will, will eventually approach you anyway. Like you can't even help. You can't even avoid it if you could, if you wanted to.
0: Really? Okay. Um, okay. So what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, obviously you're open to investors, but if somebody wanted to invest in Halal guys, um, you know, are, are is are the halal guys? Are they interested in doing in in having an investor come in?
1: Um, so they're very picky. We we've actually groomed them to be super picky uh, because <laughs> our problem isn't uh, the the shortage of investors. There's no shortage of people who love the halal guys, which which is awesome. Um, for them, they they want groups that are um, only interested in multi-unit development. Um, uh, meaning they're willing to build at least one store per year. Um, so, you know, their strategy is like, we want to have a thousand stores, but we don't want to have like a thousand people to have to babysit and manage. We just want a few good, well-capitalized groups growing a ton of stores um, so that they're not like corporately strained all the time with, with resources, drained of resources. And not only that, people who want to buy a five-store deal, um, <laughs> they're usually more capitalized and they're, they are more experienced. And they uh, can run without your involvement. Whereas, like a mom and pop operation who's like scraping all the money they have uh, just for one store is is just not going to be a good use, good stewardship of resources. Um, So, that's bad. Um, They do need to come to the table with not just enough money, um, which is like at least a million dollars in liquid capital, but you also need to have like someone on the team that has a lot of experience with running restaurants, running multi unit operations. From like a, like top brands like Chick Fil A, or like a Chipotle managers, uh, or just brands that are well loved and, and they know all about culture, operations, and quality control, that kind of stuff. And yeah. then you also need to make sure you're in a mark you're in a market where um you're in a market where there's enough there's more there's more demand than supply, and there's a lot of other things too, but those are the main ones.
0: How do you how do you check for demand? I feel like a lot of people don't check for the demand of a specific uh, you know, service or product, and they kind of jump into a business by, because they love the idea, they fall in love with the idea. Do you recommend against that?
1: Um, I think that it would be uh, uh again, <laughs> well, I think the theme of this podcast is uh, uh case by case. Um, but yeah. for for uh, for that market, yeah, there's a couple of like signals, like not, not every metric is is like the gold standard but it's all signals right but if there's a signal of people who for example the halal guys the signal is for people uh, there's immense density and daytime population because we do a really good lunch and catering business residential uh of course because of the dinner business and late night business um we also want to make sure there's pretty good uh, income levels and education levels because a lot of the customers here are, are educated foodies um, the best customers to have they have discretionary income because they travel to New York all the time and they know this brand and have a, a connection with this brand. Mm. Um, you also, another signal is you want to make sure that there's an adequate supply of other um, players in the space too. Um, for example, like our price point and our ideal tenants that we like to be next to are uh, Chipotle, Panera Bread, Panda Express, all the fast casual guys. Um, it, it would be a lot more easily, you know, a, a lot more easily re- received in that market Um, And then, uh, you know, after that, it's just down to where it is in the center, uh, aesthetics, visuals, how easy it is to access the center, uh, other things too. But um, yeah, a lot of those are signals to help. Um, There's a lot of exceptions to be made. For example, we, we do like to be next to college campuses. And of course, you know, those kids don't have the incomes, uh, but they definitely have the discretionary income to uh, the discretionary student loans and and all that to, to, to buy food. So there's a lot of other uh, exceptions, too. But but yeah, so the, the, you should definitely do the research since it's widely available to you.
0: So, Paul, uh, so you're you're a super positive person. I love that about you. And, uh, you know, it seems <laughs> like, you know, just everything that comes out of your mouth is just super positive. Um, I'd also like to talk about like, was there any challenges or times that you wanted to give up in this process, but you didn't and you continue going? Was there, can you talk about that if you, if you don't mind talking about that? Um, and, uh, you know, uh, if, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you don't want to talk about that, it's fine. But you know, a lot of times people, they want to hear cause you have like a, a attractive story. Uh, but also sometimes people, they want to know. You know, was there any time before you reached a level of success that, you know, you, you wanted to quit or you have were having challenges or whatever the case may be? What, in that time frame, like, you know, after you approached Halal Guys, was there ever a point that you were like, man, this is tough? And what helped you overcome that?
1: Oh, you um, know, to answer your question, yeah, I... <laughs> I don't know if it's uh, in my favor or not but I'm quite delusional. I'm a delusional person. I'm <laughs> yeah, heavily optimistic. Cool. I'm heavily optimistic and I'm overlooking I'm overlooking bad stuff all the time. And me too. That, I'm the that same hurts way. me at times. Yeah. I, <laughs> okay, so you 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 and I should have a support group on idealistic delusional people. No, no, not not even a support. No, not even. I can't can't be the only one. No, it's not a, it's not even
0: a support group, man. It's just like people that can actually point out what's really there. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You know, but, but but that but that goes yeah. in our favor. That that goes in our favor because we don't have the normal, like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. And we're holding ourselves back and speed and, and is everything. So I would say like just having an optimistic attitude consistently, like, I don't know, dude, like, do, would you agree with this? I've had a lot of people, you know, look from the outside and go, wow, that's really, really tough. You know? But I was like the whole time I was thinking to myself, I'm going to get out of this. No problem. It's no big deal. And, you know, get out of it and, you know, achieve, you know, success again. And um, but do you feel that like some people like looking in, they may look at our lives, me and you together and go, well, that was tough. I won't want to go through that. But it, to us, it wasn't the same. Like we don't think of it as the same thing.
1: Yeah, I um, Yeah, I, I think we're just different type of person. Right. Like I, I it's it's almost I, I read like a, a profile on myself and it's almost um, gosh, what is it called? It's almost like a psycho, similar to a psychopath uh, personality. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) And, you know, again, (laughs) we're psychopaths, but uh, in a good way. But, no, I I totally agree. Uh, I I think it's hard and you get a lot of – that's why uh, doing what we do is quite lonely, right? Because not a lot of people get us. And we also can be seen as not not compassionate or really stupid or aloof. Um, So I've actually – partially made peace with that or maybe I'm just too delusional to even like realize that so it's okay denial that's denial in my favor but but to answer your question though uh no I I mean this business is is quite tough I I actually uh I probably have one at least a couple of incidences a day where I I feel like giving up to be honest um I feel like there's always just something like that's always trying to uh trying to throw me off like for example you know me being in the restaurant business uh, increased minimum wages is, is actually the biggest concern I have that's really hurting me. And just like, why bother continuing to grow if like all the money is being like eaten up and eroded uh, by growing costs. Right. Wow. Um, wow. You know, and I'm always looking at other, other businesses where like, man, they're they're, they're so much more profitable. Like why I'm in the wrong business.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I get hit with that all the time. Um, you know, you know, restaurants is, is, the, the stereotype that it's a lot of work is, is definitely true. Like, I'm wondering like, man, I used to make a lot more money with a little less time by being a loan officer. Like I have a lot of negative self-talk as well. That's that, that bothers me throughout the day. And that kind of throws me off and distracts me. Um, I also, you know, now that I have kids, I'm always like, man, I don't even know if I'm in the right business to like take care of my kids. Uh, is this the smartest thing to do? Because a lot of times I'm gone um a lot of times i i'm not there and i'm not not present and that's not really healthy for 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 my family as well like i am i doing the right thing like my my negative self talk hits me up all the time like i'm naturally I'm naturally predisposed to like talking about the positive stuff with people all the time, but personally, I, I I deal with a lot of negative self-talk and that that never goes away. So that part I'm I'm not delusional about. That's why you have to like force um,
0: yourself. You have to yeah. force yourself to like be positive and talk to yourself positively on a consistent basis because it overtakes you. You know. If, if if you don't, <laughs> if you don't it consumes
1: you man. it, it can you
0: yeah if you don't if you're not always cognizant of it and and address it and and uh make sure that you rid of it, then you're going to at some to some extent you know be taken over by it, and so yeah, you're a hundred percent that's why we like people in business always have to be positive like it's so it's so difficult to have somebody walk in the room and be negative it affects the whole room you know. Uh For sure,
1: for sure, man. Well, thank you. I actually, out of all the questions you've asked me, that's probably my favorite one.
0: You
1: you make me realize that, like, we all go through it. And I guess I'm just so busy being (laughs) delusional that I, I don't address the elephants in the room that actually attack me every single day which i'm pretty sure they attack you every day as well yeah um, yeah i'm always so I, I, pre- I appreciate that
0: yeah it's, it's you know business is sometimes an emotional roller coaster, and it's really like the people that can just stand back up every time they fall um, and it's and, and, and you know if, if you can think of it as like more of like a game as opposed to like oh you know this uh, huge uh, circumstance negative circumstance that happened to me or whatever the case may be. And to stand back up and be positive, that's, I think, you know, what's going to help most people get through. So, yeah.
1: Oh, for sure. And it's funny, it's always these little things, too. It's always the little things that, like, consume you and poison you, and it's the oil that contaminates the water. But then it's always the little things as well. Like, for example, like, uh, my son calls me and sends me a funny picture. i like, oh, okay, I feel better. I can focus now. Or you know, one of my investors calls and said, Hey, I got my distribution. Thank you. That, that's awesome. It's yeah. kind of like a signal, like, okay, keep pressing on or yeah. people I visit my store and people are just sitting there like loving the food and they're commuting. They're using my restaurant as a, and a, a place to connect and commune with people and uh, put their phones down. Like, okay, okay. I'm doing something right. Keep moving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, so it's, it's funny.
0: And then, and then it, what's really cool too, is like, sometimes like when you're working your ass, you're, you're working your ass off and you're, you're working really, really hard and you're just not getting the results you want to get. And it's like, what the heck? I'm working so hard. Right. And you don't get the results you want to get, but then you have other days where you don't work as hard and you kind of like, you relax a little bit and you just let things flow and things just happen more naturally. It's kind of crazy how that happens sometimes.
1: (laughs) Uh, It's also, it's, it's one of those nice reminders that, you know, don't try so hard and and let, let the universe also work with you too. And, 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 uh, your yeah. hard work pays off in weird places. And so, yeah, I, I totally get it. It's, it's frustrating and it's, it's comforting at the same time.
0: Yeah. And it just takes one person too, one person, one, one circumstance, one conversation, one networking event, one post on social media that could change it all. Right. And so, yeah. yeah, uh, Cool, man. So, if somebody wants to, if somebody's listening to this podcast and they would want to potentially invest in the Halal Guys, how would they get a hold of you?
1: <laughs> oh, well, I appreciate it, man. Uh, well, uh, the best way is to uh, just send me an email uh, or connect with me on LinkedIn, which is how you and I got connected. Thank you. Um, you can uh, email me at Paul, uh, P A U L, at brandsmart.com. Uh, brand is in like franchise, and then smart dot com. Um, so, I mean, I I actually uh, was a, was an employee of the company for ten years, and then I actually uh, decided, like maybe three years ago, to leave and do independent consulting. And I I was busy enough with the halal guys to where I I needed to uh, focus my energies elsewhere. But I still uh, do independent work for them. I still sell franchises for them, and I still you know uh and 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 pretty good uh uh gracious with them so yeah i'd say email me there and happy to happy to chat with you and see what's possible and and um maybe talk you out of it or talk you into it we'll see (laughs)
0: absolutely